0: Well, top of the morning to you. This is our Key Market Drivers
1: presentation for uh, Tuesday, April 12th. Um, As always, we always start this off with a plea to, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us there. You see our contact information on the screen. Pick up the phone, give us a call, shoot us uh, an email. Uh, Got quite a few different things to talk about here this week. Kind of thought with the picture in the upper right-hand corner, that seemed uh, seems very appropriate. Um, as I had a customer tell me a couple weeks ago, been at this a while, and he said, you know, he said, I've seen the odd black swan event in my day. I just don't know that I've ever seen a flock of black swans. A uh, flock of black swans is called a bank of swans. I think if it's flying, it is called a wedge. Uh, and certainly the markets have been dealing with quite a bit, uh, quite a few different things here. And that's going to be maybe a little bit of the theme of today's call. we got quite a few things that we'll talk about today. Um, told you last week that pretty much markets were down across the board. Well, we certainly fixed that uh, this past week. Uh, markets were kind of up across the board. Everything was up. Uh, everywhere between one or two percent, and uh, uh, some markets were up as much as five, five and a half percent, depending on what your uh, which particular commodity you're looking at. Um, really, some of the pieces of information that have come out here this week, um, quite a few little uh, things that I think are worthy. Uh, I've got some more inflation news. The UN food price index that they publish every month um, came out uh, month over month up a whopping twelve point six percent. That is 33.6% higher year over year. So uh, the food and in, food inflation thing continues to roll. European PPI numbers came out last week uh, up a whopping 31.4% in February. Uh, China's March PPI numbers came out those were up 8.3%. Uh, that's a little bit down from uh, in March, 8.3%. February was actually up 8.8%, but uh, well above what the trade was expecting, which was a little bit, uh, a little bit below eight. So kind of in other news here, uh, things kind of
0: supporting- Well, the hang on, Dave, let's throw the, uh, the CPI number that just came out this morning. The March CPI number just came out here about 15 minutes ago uh, for the United States from the BLS at plus 8.5% wow. year over year. And the month over month was plus 1.2. So I'm sure we'll get more news on that here today. The dollar's down a little bit uh, uh, because of that.
1: Yeah, thanks for for, uh, throwing that in. Uh, Some else supporting markets here uh, this past week. I think it was yesterday. Got another big uh, million metric ton flash sale of corn to China. Uh, If you remember, we talked about this last week on our call. Uh, We had a little over a million metric tons. Uh, to China, about two-thirds of that was, about 60% of that was old crop, the rest new crop. Very similar this time, uh, this week. Uh, Where the heck did I, 1.02 million metric tons sold to China, 680,000 of that uh, is for the current marketing year. So we continue to see China come to uh, U.S. markets. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, two other items here before. <clears throat> I throw it to Scotty to give us a little bit about wheat. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We continue to see this uh, very short canola crop in Canada. Uh, markets done a pretty good job of rationing that. February exports came in at just uh, uh, just under three hundred thousand metric tons. That's the lowest monthly total that we've seen in I think two thousand and five. You have to go back to our, back to. So I guess the old adage, the best cure for high prices does seem to high price be high prices. And when you look crop year to date here in Canada, crushes down almost 18 percent. Exports have crossed the 50 percent lower mark. They're now 50.5 uh, percent uh, below last year. And I also wanted to touch on the whole waiver issue. You probably saw the uh, Reuters and Bloomberg and others had article last week. Um, the EPA came out kind of as expected uh, and denied uh, three dozen uh, uh, waiver requests from uh, obligated parties. That would be energy companies. These were 2018 waivers that the Trump administration EPA had granted. The court overturned it uh, the, and, and, and uh, sent the EPA back to do their homework again. The EPA came out as expected and denied all 36 of these refinery waivers, but there's a huge but in here at this point, but they offered some, quote, relief to 31 of these refineries. Now, they didn't define what the relief was, but they did say in the press release that they would allow these companies to, that they were going to have to comply, but the relief would be that they would not have to purchase RIN certificates to show compliance. So uh, that almost sounds like, yes, you have to comply, but you don't have to comply. The industry is still trying to figure out exactly what this means and how it's going to happen. But uh, at any rate, uh, we are probably as confused as we ever were on the waiver issues. I think that leaves probably another 15, 18 waivers uh, from later years that the EPA still has to uh, is still going to have to rule on. So uh, once again, we were looking for closure and we got more confusion. Uh, Scott, why don't you tell us here what's going
0: on in the uh, the wheat markets before I get into the Wazdy? Yeah, well, um, go ahead. One, I think one more slide, Dave, and and uh, uh, we'll, we'll just kind of start right here. We did get the Wazdy last week, so I'll jump ahead of you just a little bit. But we we honestly didn't get much news on the wheat side of things. So I'll start there. We um, lowered our feed use uh, a little bit, not. Surprisingly, down 10 to 100 million, and exports now down another 15 million bushels to 785. W- were you surprised to see them? I know we
1: talked last month at the Wazi that we were surprised to see the USDA go from 8, I think they were 820 or 810, down to 800. Yeah. Um, I guess we must have the sales on the books, but we're just not shipping it at a proper pace to get to that. The-
0: that's some of it, but but certainly the latter part, the the pace has just been uh, uh, just non-existent um you might remember that bill's number he's still got it he's still carrying an 820 number there um we only have if you're looking at the calendar we only have one more month to go before we get to the end of our marketing year for this 21 22 uh uh crop year um there are some out there that still think that we're going to go down one more time uh next month in may uh around seven Uh, 70, 775, Uh, Bill's number where he's at 820 on exports. And he's going to have to come to Jesus between now and the end of next uh, month. But uh, he's got his ending stocks all the way down around 620. I don't think it's going to be that stark. Uh, And you see here that uh, we've actually raised our ending stocks and feel a little bit better about things. 35.5% stocks to use ratio. Um, but again, it's it's all done uh on exports. We have been lowering exports every month since November. And we're now down to the lowest export total that we've seen since uh, uh 15 and 16, and the second lowest in 50 years. Um so when we turn so are, our, you, are you
1: suggesting ahead. that high prices are the best gear for high prices?
0: <laughs> that might be it. we there might be something to that. Um some of the other things, as long as I've got the floor here uh, on what's going on with wheat, obviously, we, we continue to watch what's going on over in the Black Sea. Uh, we've got a couple of, of of analysts in Ukraine now. Everybody's trying to figure out how much wheat we're going to get out of Ukraine. One of those analysts is, U, uh, uh, U, well, I, I'll say it, Ukraine Agro Consul, but it's a different, uh, the way their their the title of their company is. Anyway, they released their first estimate this year. And they're at 19.8 for the coming year. Now that's versus 32 this past year. And they think that uh, they'll be able to export about 16 million tons. UGA is a grain trade union in Ukraine. They're calling for um, about 18.2 million metric tons, down 45%. They're also saying that where normally they could do about 6 million tons a month out the door, that uh, today they have the ability to do about uh, 10% of that. They can do about 600,000 uh, uh, metric tons of grain and/or oil seeds today um, uh, by all by non-traditional methods, as you might guess. On the other hand, Russia, you know, they're rolling along. Uh, they, they have, uh, as as I've reported here the last couple of weeks, they are continuing to export now. Um, So VECON says that they are up to about 2.8 million tons that they exported in March. That's not really far off from what a normal March would be for them, uh, on their way to about 34 million tons for the year. They currently have really, really good growing conditions, near ideal spring growing conditions right now. And uh, their current production estimates for this coming year are 87.4, which would be a record for uh, Russia. Hmm. Um, all that obviously means that uh, uh, the United States is still the highest priced wheat in the world by a long shot. Um, we're around uh, almost 500 bucks uh, FOB the Gulf right now versus um, French numbers around 410 dollars uh, FOB Rowan. Um, no quotes out of Ukraine, obviously, or Russia, but we're reportedly hearing that uh, Black Sea's trading around 368. Um, the last thing I'll leave you with is uh, India. We generally don't talk about India much when it comes to wheat, but they uh, have had such a great harvest over the last um, uh, several years, really. They end their marketing year in March. Uh, and so uh, they're they're ending up the twenty one twenty two year. In fact, they're just getting ready to start harvesting their twenty two twenty three um crop. Last year's number was 109.6, which was a record. Uh, Uncle Sam's got them down for uh, exports of 7.85 million metric tons. That could grow, I think, over time. The early estimates for this coming year are 111.3. Uh, ton production which Wouldn't would that be, the, be like the
1: fourth consecutive record crop
0: actually the sixth the sixth consecutive yep, record. I just wow. i went back and, and went to the books and it's it would be the sixth straight record crop uh, if that holds I, uh, private analysts think that they might be able to uh, export maybe as much as 11 million tons wow so wow. um one more thing then i guess that's that's all uh, international stuff here back in the states conditions Really still not very good. We went up 2%, good to excellent, from 30 to 32. Um, We're just starting to head a little bit. Uh, Spring wheat planted at about 6% clip. Um, We need some rain. We definitely need some rain.
1: Yeah. Do you want to cover the world stuff here on the
0: WASDE? Was there any news out of that? Yeah, not really. Uh, You see there the production didn't change much at all. Uh, Most of that was Argentina. Went up a half finally. Uh, Uncle Sam's got Argentina up up a half to 21. On the export side of things, uh, we took total exports down three. That was all really in the major exporters, as you might guess. Um, Argentina up a little bit, Russia up one, um, and then everybody else was down. EU down three and a half, Ukraine down one, uh, U.S. down a little bit. So um, at the end of the day, you're, you're ending stocks. Um, uh, that should say a minus three, not a plus, but minus three on the ending stocks, 35% stocks to use. So, you know, we're, we're still moving the deck chairs around a little bit. Okay. Um, we should be okay to get through this market here with no problems. Okay. Well, as far as the rest of the they didn't get a whole lot of news. You could see here in
1: the corn balance sheet, bottom right-hand corner, USDA did not change uh, their ending stocks estimate. They did uh, diddle around a little bit. Uh, they added 25 million bushels to the uh, the ethanol simply because of excuse me, current pace data. Uh, They took that out of feed use, which, as you know, is the residual. So a little bit of diddling there, not a whole lot of news. When we look at the soybean balance sheet, pretty much as expected Uh, increase in exports, uh, 25 million bushels, those came right off the bottom line, lowering our ending stocks down to a 260 million bushel area. Uh, that's just under 6% of use. That is uh, an adequate supply of beans, but boy, that doesn't give you a whole lot of safety stocks. Now, based on the pace state and where we're at, uh, based on the uh, notion that we've got the Brazilian harvest about done, I don't know if we are too far. We're expecting the uh, a whole lot of additional increases in that export number over the course of the rest of the crop year, but Um, 260 million bushels isn't the fat and happy 400 number that many people had uh, before we had the crop problem down in South America or the uh, the war in Ukraine. But I wouldn't expect it to to be uh, a whole lot tighter than that by the time we get done. So it does appear that those snugger than it looked like it was going to be five or six months ago uh, should have an adequate supply of beans Uh, USDA, also not surprising, went up 100 million bushels on their export total for oil. Uh, At the current pace data, that is uh, at risk of having to be taken up again, maybe a little bit. I think the big risk remains here on the soybean oil balance sheet is that biofuel line. The USDA, as you know, has been coming down, down, down on that line. Uh, Nine or 10 months ago, they were at a whopping 12 and a half billion pounds going into biofuel because of the pace data. They're down now to 10.7. Uh many people believe with these next three uh, renewable diesel plants supposed to be getting started here uh, any any moment, uh, that we've probably seen the last reduction in that. And I know people, uh, Bill, the lap that we work with is carrying a number larger than that. I think almost a half a billion pounds larger. So we have a soybean oil balance sheet that uh, uh even though you look at the usda number they're just under two billion pounds which is kind of a goldilocks number it's not too much oil in storage it's not too little it's just right uh i think many in the trade believe that that's probably going to continue to shrink just a little bit so and that's kind of what we have for the wasi uh we also got our malaysian palm oil board uh, production and stocks report for the month of march Uh, A little bit of a bullish report. Many in the trade were expecting the uh, month-on-month stocks number to be pretty flat, maybe up a percent. Uh, The Stabro guys that we work pretty closely with were expecting a 4% decline. They were much closer to uh, uh, accurate. Uh, Ended up stocks, as you can see down here, uh, if I can get my cursor to to show up, down 3%. Uh, Production was actually up more than we thought. But exports were very good and imports were at the lowest number in many years. I don't remember seeing an import number that small in a long time. So uh, that's an adequate amount of palm oil. Uh, we also wouldn't expect at this time of year stocks to get to tighten further. Uh, we should see a pretty good bump, I think, in stocks in April, because, as you know, as we get out into the spring month, uh, production bumps up. And as we mentioned last week or the week before on our call, uh, Malaysia has now lifted their travel ban, So the uh, Migrant labor that typically flows into this country uh, to help with the the palm oil fruit harvest uh, should be, I would think, ramping back up. So I think we're we're positive here that we'll see uh, we're positive on production. We think we will start to see production start to increase pretty rapidly here in the coming months. So there's a slide for your UN Global Food Price Index. I talked a bit about that on the first slide here. Um, but there's a kind of the picture that paints a thousand words. Uh, by the way, that is the highest uh, number that we've seen for the UN Global Food Price Index ever since they invented it back in 1990. Surprising to all of us. I thought it was a typo on our first slide, but it wasn't. We didn't make any p- progress at all planting corn last week. If you uh, remember on our call last week, we were 2% planted on corn. Uh, We are 2% planted again this week. So I think the cooler temperatures and rain uh, and rain in lots of the uh, country uh, really didn't cause farmers to get out after it here. Uh, You talked a little bit about conditions, Scott. Anything to add with the state-by-state data?
0: No, I I think that it's just that, uh, you know, we're we're a a whopping 2% better than we were a week ago. If if you remember last week, I kind of downplayed that 30% number. Uh, and it wasn't until after we made our recording how uh, poor it really was. Um, it, it's not good. Um, and, and I uh, found out after the fact that the pro farmer index is the worst it's been since 2011. So um, it, it's really not very good out there. So two percentage points, we'll take them. Uh, we'll take every little good bit of information that we can find. Uh, we definitely need some more rain and good weather here. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, heading wise, you know, it's all in the south. You see there, it's it's all mostly Texas and, and California. A little bit into Arkansas there, but um, nothing in Oklahoma or, or Kansas yet. We're well, uh, still a long ways away. And spring wheat, uh, oh, that. real quick. Spring wheat, uh, again, kind of like corn. I would have expected that uh, spring wheat would be a little bit farther along too. Remember that we can plant spring wheat and germinate spring wheat at a lot lower uh, temperature than we do corn and soybeans. So I guess this is a little bit disappointing, um, but we're we're still kind of on the average. Right? Yeah, still kind of a a tick out ahead of the the five
1: year average there. Um, There's the planting dates. We talked about those last week. Uh, We were in the office here a bit surprised. If you remember, uh, Iowa, Northern Missouri, uh, out here where we're at, Nebraska, was very much green last week. But this is that time of the year where, even though we've been a little bit unseasonably cool, we start to see soil temperatures warm up very, very quickly. Uh, You can see really much of Iowa there is kind of in that 45 to 50 degree range. Uh, if you look at the upper right hand corner of this slide it takes you know 50 to 55 degrees here to germinate corn so uh, we're getting pretty close unfortunately the forecast temperatures that i'm going to show you here um probably aren't going to help that out a heck of a lot we'll probably have a continue to have a a pretty slow warm up um got most of the moisture that was forecast in the seven day forecast slide last week we got a good bit of that moisture again Kind of center corn belt eastern corn belt and if you remember that has been the weather bias now for probably over a year we've kind of had the same situation the same flows, i guess for uh much of last crop year and and this crop year as well you can see that in the soil moisture slides here uh the dry bias is uh, continues to be to the west and Here's your drought monitor. And on the left side, here is, is the current drought monitor. The right hand side, we threw pretty much the same date at you last year. And, and what's noticeable about these maps is the further west you get out into the desert southwest and into southern California, you had much more severe drought. You had much more red and the dark, the dark, very dark red there showing. But the other thing that's very noticeable if you look here, is you look at hard red winter wheat country, we, we were certainly uh, dry up here in the Northern Plains, uh, but the dryness was just cutting into the very edge of hard red winter wheat country here, certainly down into Texas, uh, 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 eastern Colorado. Uh, that extends much further east this year. Uh, if you noticed, Oklahoma didn't have much color to it a year ago. Uh, Oklahoma is really much of Oklahoma is what you would call in uh, uh, at least some degree or another a drought and we've got the statistic there at the bottom uh 69 percent of us is that winter wheat area or should that say yeah
0: that no that's total winter wheat total area. Winter but, area but but it, it's it's you could real easily just say hard red winter wheat yeah yeah uh, much of
1: hard red winter wheat area there um uh, this is another slide we found if you look at uh, th- these are these rank slides you're a little bit difficult to get your head around this is of the what uh, 127 years of history Uh, The ranking uh, smaller numbers is drier, bigger numbers is wetter. So Illinois is the 95th out of 120 something years of history. So it's pretty wet there. You can see it color coded a little bit, but you can kind of see the dryness out here. Uh, California and Nevada, uh, this is the driest January through March period ever recorded in those 127 years. So you can kind of very clearly see uh, the Western bias here. So what's Mother Nature going to give to us in the next seven days? Well, again, the same kind of weather pattern. The the moisture bias seems to be center east. Uh, Really, the center of the Corn Belt gets good rain. Uh, The Delta certainly is going to get very good rain here. Uh, Much of the eastern Corn Belt is going to get uh, good rain here Uh, and just not a lot out here in the west. Now, we do get some rain up in the northern plains. That'll certainly help their uh, soil moisture conditions up there. But again, you kind of got this this uh, hole in hard red uh, winter wheat country. And here's your temperature bias. Uh, we never like to see this. I believe last week on our call, I took uh, full blame for the cold temperatures. Uh, my new motorcycle came in about three weeks ago and it has been cold and wet ever since. Uh, probably my fault. Uh, since we don't really have a whole lot of the, the, the hard red winter wheat crop jointing in Kansas, this probably isn't gonna turn into a a winter kill story at this point. Is it a bit too early for that? Or?
0: Well, it's something to keep an eye on. Let's put it that way. Jointing right now for Kansas specifically, and they're the only state that, that puts out this data on a weekly basis, uh, the Kansas crop is jointed at 20% versus 26% a year ago and 27% in the five-year average. If you remember, jointing is that, that spot where that, that growth node of the plant has now uh, uh, grown above the surface of the soil. And that's now all of a sudden when the plant can really be vulnerable to cold temperatures and freezing. So we'll be watching that pretty closely here um, you know, with that big blue blob there. It doesn't look like uh, it's much in Kansas. Uh, But that's something we're going to be watching pretty closely here the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, the old joke in the wheat business is it's kind of an obligation of the market to have a winter winter kill story to talk about sometime in April. So uh, stay tuned. That might be something that's uh, uh, coming up here. You know, looking north of the border, a little bit better moisture. This is your 30-day soil uh, or your 30-day precip look back here. This is last week. You can see that we got a little bit of moisture here. Uh, in Saskatchewan, we're still we're still a bit dry here in the south, but there's still good snowpack, uh, we are told. So uh, it's really rainfall the rest of the way out here in April and out into May. That's going to be the big determining factor of uh, how those Canadian crops do. Look at South America. I made the comment to you last week that uh, a little bit of nervousness in the market that uh, we might have uh, a second year in a row where we had a premature end here to the rainy season, a little bit better moisture here to the north, but uh, you wouldn't expect to see this hole here this time of the year. Um, a lot of people a little bit concerned that we are seeing this premature end. Like I mentioned, it would be very unusual uh, to see the rainy season start to slow up like this in late uh, March and early April. Uh, typically, the rainy season is going to end sometime the first two weeks of May sometime between the 1st and the 15th is what you would start to see that change. So. Uh, a little bit of nervousness. I still haven't seen anyone in the analyst community uh, go about lowering their uh, their forecast for safrinha corn production yet. So stay tuned. We're kind of living on the edge uh, there. Uh, and in the dairy market, Scott, why don't you go ahead and get us up to date here and uh, with what we're seeing there?
0: Yeah, uh, and it looks like uh, I was uh, failed to get the last numbers uh, updated from yesterday uh, cheese is, is now kind of moved uh, from the mid-220 level, and we closed yesterday at 232, and you've got butter now kind of moving up to the upper side of that 270 range, and that it also was at 278 and a quarter, both unchanged from last Friday. Um, we continue to, uh, to to see both of these markets uh, roll along pretty decent um, uh, with, with production uh, being uh, – Again, decent uh, against pretty steady demand and, and pretty good export demand in both cases. You see there the FEB exports uh, for cheese at uh, just shy of 73 million pounds. That's 9% better than it was a year ago. Um, and your year to date exports, um, the most shipped for the first two months of the year since 2014. On the butter side of things, um, you know, again, doesn't seem like a lot in volume, especially compared to cheese. But uh, 11.2 million pounds is 46% higher the year over year, and that's the highest single month of export volume that we've ever seen since 2014. And it's no wonder, especially when you compare it to uh, world prices. You see there, Dutch and German butter prices in the 350 range. You see the global dairy trade numbers down there at the bottom with butter at 313. So our prices are uh, certainly well below that and and attractive uh, from a world perspective. Um, I I think that will probably uh, uh, be the case here for a while. And and we're hoping that uh, uh, sometime soon we'll get some better numbers uh, out of milk production and uh, finally see that spring flush that we keep talking about. Oh,
1: boy, that would be nice. Did you say that the the big thing on uh, really the dairy markets, the, probably a the couple of big things driving it is the very high feed cost, coupled with some uh, pretty poor production out of uh, uh, New Zealand this past year.
0: Yep, yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing that we continue to hear. the The one thing that that helps that's continuing to help us here in the states is that our cow efficiency numbers, you know, continues to move north, even in the in the face of. Uh, uh, not very good uh, uh, herd growth, certainly, and we're just not growing the total milk production number as quick as we once were.
1: Yeah, certainly were as quick as we did last year. So that is our story this week, and we are sticking to it. Uh, Here again is our contact info. If if you have any questions at all, please uh, don't hesitate to contact us. And as always, and especially in these crazy markets, be careful out there.